welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates of TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by Richie Von Sexington. How's things, Richie? Uh, doing good. The sun's shining. We've got a bit of a, uh, uh, I was going to say Indian summer, but I'm not even certain if you're allowed to describe things like that anymore. So I'll just say it's warm. Uh, still in the house. Still got COVID in the country. Uh, and we watched some, uh, well, let's say the streak was maybe broken of good wrestling for the uh, Monday night slash Saturday evening wars. Yeah, the I guess the, the only good thing about this pair of episodes for me, mate, was the fact that the um, Saturday night was cut from an hour and a half to an hour. So it made it a, a little bit easier to get through with nothing else. I wasn't sure if it was my state of mind because it was kind of, I sat down to watch it and I was like, somebody, I can't remember who started it or what, what which one I watched first, but I was just like, oh, this is, this is not going to end well. It's funny, you messaged me and you're like, oh, I should be free um, in a couple of days to get on and, and review. And I went, fuck, I better go watch the last bit of that Saturday night. And I, honest to God, I logged in and realized I'd watched it all. I was like, oh, shit, that was only an hour. Brilliant. It, it definitely didn't need to be any longer. No, so for those not in the know, we looked at the uh, February 13, 1993 episode of Saturday Night and the February 15, 93 episode of Raw. And um, which one did you kick off first with, Richie? Uh, I started with Raw. As did I. So let's head over to, what are we on, about episode four or five of Raw now? Uh, I think we're on week five, but I don't know because they, they didn't they get preempted the week before? Yeah, who's counting, hey? <laughs> Meh. DiBiase, tonight I'm going to prove to you and everybody else that I'm 100% healed and ready for action. The Barber's back! <laughs> Lewis the Barber Beefcake, two years ago your face was shattered in a parasailing accident. But tonight, that's going to be the least of your worries! <laughs> I don't think that's necessary. There's no need for that, baby. No Jimmy, need for Jimmy, that Jimmy, Jimmy, would you please stop worrying? Everything's going to be just fine. <laughs> Um, so we start off with a promo from the barber, Brutus Beefcake, and then a Ted DiBiase promo, of which you would have heard in the introduction here, basically hyping up tonight's main event. And whilst I was never a huge Beefcake fan, this is a pretty decent uh, name value main event for early Raw, if nothing else. What do you reckon? I think you've got one of those main events that fits into the, uh, we'll get people who used to watch wrestling go, oh, I know these. Uh, yeah, Maybe uh, not the best names they could have brought, but, you know, is what it is. And the opening match has got some star power too, although I have to say this, Richie, is probably where my disappointment on these two shows began because we get the Steiner brothers taking on Glenn Ruth and Bobby Who, and I completely misread it and thought it was Who as in, like, you know, the masked Jim the Anvil Neidhart and was so disappointed when I found out it was some random jobber. I haven't seen Who. I'm looking forward to it if we get it in... uh... In this run, it was nice to see uh, non, not I think it was, was it Thrasher, non Thrasher, Thrasher, in his just his normal uh, wrestling pants and no skirt. Yeah, before his uh, Marilyn Manson fanboy days, definitely. 
Um, we get a really disgusting, gross, full Nelson suplex from Scott Steiner and then a belly-to-belly from Rick before he hits a big Steiner line. Scotty with a double underhook and then the Doomsday Bulldog for the one, two, three. Um, and interesting to note so far through the first match, Macho Man's mic isn't working. So it's him, Rob Bartlett and Vince as always. But so far, no Macho Man through this match. And always love a Steiner squash, but I could have, you know, I, I felt bad for um, for Glenn Ruth taking that full Nelson suplex. It was it was pretty bad. They, uh, they got their licks in. Safe to say, on the jobbers. I always find it weird when the Steiners come out and they're not going, coming out to Steiner line. Yeah, real wasted opportunity there. <laughs> Why couldn't they bring that across from WCW with them? No, the, the uh, Michigan marching band just doesn't cut it. No, it was a pretty shit theme, actually, they came out to in the WWF. Da, 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 da. Just, yeah, nothing to it. Just it was just a bad mix of wrestlers and wrestling company. Safe to say. We then go to the WrestleMania report. Um, nothing really too much to talk about here. We're still a fair way away from WrestleMania nine, um, and into our second match, which is Yokozuna taking on Russ Greenberg. I always thought Russ Greenberg was one of the editors from the magazine, but I might be mixing up the first name. But um, yeah, nobody that I recognised anyway. Yoko starts with a clothesline and a belly-to-belly, and the crowd are into him at the start as he hits a big leg, but then um, the USA chant starts eventually, and they do turn on old Yoko, but he hits the bonsai with the one, two, three, and coming into the end of the second match, Macho Man takes Ross, um, sorry, take Rob takes Rob Bartlett's mic away from him, and Rob Bartlett's off commentary. What did you think about the second one? Well, it was a great move, getting rid of Rob Bartlett. Uh, second match was, again, it was an all right job match. I think maybe I'm spoilt now. I complain when there's too much wrestling and it goes over many segments and I complain with a good old squash. Yoko's uh, ability belies his, his size. Yeah, I mean, this is still his, you know, 500-pound days as well, not quite up into the 600-pound range, so he's still got some decent mobility going on here as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, proves that you can be that size and actually still wrestle. Indeed. Um, from there, we go through. Um, actually, we go to Lord Alfred Hayes, where he's talking about the um, the poster magazine, which was quite cool. Uh, he talks through the Yokozuna hacksaw Jim Duggan stretcher angle from recent times, where Yoko hits him in the bonsai and Duggan stretched it off. Then he recaps a beatdown from Giant Gonzalez against a jobber who happened to be Luis Bacoli. I love picking out these names from the early jobbers. They actually just call him Spicoli throughout the um, the match that we get recapped. It's basically a one-on-three match, but the other two jobbers run off. And as a result of this beatdown that sees Louis Spicoli stretched out, um, the Battle Royal that we've got for tonight's Raw, every other competitor supposedly has said they won't wrestle if Giant Gonzalez is in, so he's been excluded. Uh, what did you think about this whole deal here, Richie? Well... I can, kind of storyline-wise, it makes sense. The uh, It's funny thinking that what they've actually done is gone, oh, crap, he really can't wrestle. He was in WCW, he couldn't wrestle. We've brought him across, and funnily enough, in the transition, he hasn't learned to wrestle. <laughs> Go figure, hey. We then get, what yeah. a shock. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we then go to our usual array of ads. It's Ikapro, Hasbro's, and Slim Jims before going to the very strangely um, numbered 16-man Battle Royal. And those 16 men, just to give you an idea of where we are with star power here in early 93, 
uh, Bob Backlund, The Berserker, Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels, Kim Chi, Terrific Terry Taylor, Coco Beware, Tatanka, Typhoon, Kamala, Tito Santana, Damian Demento, Iron Mike Sharp, um, Skinner, and Owen Hart. The big highlight for me there is Typhoon, who very recently wished my good friend Mark a happy birthday. Your birthday. I want to say happy birthday from Tugboat. <laughs> oh, Typhoon seems a good bloke. But yeah, what a, um, what a cast of characters that is, Richie. Um, any standout names for you in that bunch? Well, Michaels and Razor kind of stick out as not like all the others, but I, I hate, besides the Rumble, obviously, but I, I, I'm not a big fan of uh, card-filling Battle Royales. I just think it's, it's, it's just a bag of shit. <laughs> I don't know why. I've got a soft spot for them. I've you know, got some fond memories of the Bulldog winning a big, uh, I think, 40-man Battle Royal um, and a Battle Royal at Royal Albert Hall. I, I have a feeling he won two Battle Royals in the early 90s. And, um, of course, the Intercontinental title crowning Battle Royal where the last two were to face off the next week on Raw. We're going to see that at some point. Um, I won't spoil who the, the winners are, but that's definitely to come in our future as well. Maybe I'll have to uh, revisit my stance. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're largely terrible, but for some reason I love them. Punch. I don't think, maybe this was, wasn't a great example of the genre. No, this definitely wasn't. Um, it's a bit of a clusterfuck here. Um, we get Bob Backlund um, dumping out Iron Mike Sharp. Shawn Michaels gets rid of Coco. It's very much a punch-kick affair all round. Typhoon clotheslines out a dancing Skinner. I have no idea what the fuck was going on there. Um... Damien Demento goes out somehow. I don't know how. The Berserker gets rid of Owen. And then Kamala gets the Berserker out. Kimchi helps Typhoon bring out Kamala, though. What do you feel about the people that have been eliminated, eliminating people that are already in the ring, Richie? How, how, does this piss you off, or are you okay with yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know the reasoning behind it, but it irritates me. It irritates me when they do it at the Rumble, when they, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> when they roll out and roll back in and all that bollocks. And then Kamala, of course, jumps back in and eliminates Kimchi just to keep that streak going and chases him through the crowd as we go to a commercial. Um, this was quite funny. When we come back from commercial, he's chasing him around the balcony and um, Macho Man advocating murder on commentary says, throw him off the top of the balcony. Um, I don't know about you, but it got a laugh out of me. Uh, it, it certainly escalates quickly. Michaels gets rid of Typhoon, and then the final four are Tatanka, Tito, Shawn Michaels, and Razor. The faces manage to get Shawn Michaels out, and then out comes Giant Gonzalez. He gets rid of Tito and Tatanka as Razor Ramon bails, and Razor Ramon actually wins because Giant Gonzalez is not in the Battle Royal, and he got out through the rope. So what a way to win the Battle Royal. I It, it was difficult to, for him to celebrate, but he managed it. Yeah, I just I, you look at Razor Ramon then. You, you think, God, he he had it all, didn't he? He yeah, I'm really he's he's one of those guys that I don't think people talk about enough. How he didn't get a world title run. I mean, he probably did it to himself because WCW. You imagine if he was level headed, would have got a run at some point. But um, yeah, he's just such a big star to never have had the belt. Um, so ridiculous. He, he like smart, not just wrestling smart. Just, uh, yeah, just um, unfortunately like to drink a bit too much, I guess. Just a little bit. 
we go to a commercial and when we come back it's time for our main event so yeah this show has been a bit of a you know a quick watch not a, not match heavy and nothing you know really dragged too much the battle royal was pretty much the bulk of it and the main event is Ted DiBiase taking on Brutus Ababa Beefcake this I kind of had really, really low hopes for. I've never been a Beefcake fan, and the match starts with him stalling to try and get a crowd pop, and they're not really as into it as, as I think they would have been a few years back here. No, he's... I think, to a certain extent, it's the... Uh, he's gone away, come back, and instead of reinventing a little bit of his shtick, he's gone back to doing exactly what he used to do, which I think is always, always kills the crowd a little bit. I think that kind of expect a little bit of a change. And uh, they're not really working to DiBiase's style here either, are they? Because, it's, I mean, the early story of the match is just Ted keeps winding up to nail the face and Beefcake keeps avoiding him, so there's not even really any wrestling happening either. No, nah, it doesn't really work as a, as a dynamic because, you know, the, the, the plucky baby face just spends his time looking a bit cowardly because he's avoiding... I know he, the storyline is he doesn't get punched in the face, but... It just doesn't make sense, because if you can't get punched in the face, what's he doing in a wrestling ring? Yeah, and in the end, IRS comes out before there's been any real action, and he nails Beefcake with a briefcase for the DQ. They then start double-teaming him. Jimmy Hart comes out and tries to talk them off. IRS, however, wants to nail him with the case um, into the face. Jimmy Hart's trying to stop them, but he gets tossed out. And then they take Beefcake's head off with a sick shot, and... um. Ted DiBiase lines him up and takes one of his own as well before Jimmy Hart comes back in and jumps on him to protect him. Beefcake has just held his face the whole time as Jimmy Hart stays with him. And we have a bit of a stretcher job here to try and have a bit of a serious angle on Raw as we go to our final commercial. Um, I, As a storyline, I didn't mind it. But I think, you know, if you're going to have the main event have no payoff and go to this storyline, you probably needed a bit more wrestling earlier in the show. What, what did you think, Richie? Yeah, yeah. It was, actually, it was... IRS actually looks like he's trying to murder. They do look like they're trying to murder the beefer. It's not. It's not hokey. They do actually look quite dangerous. But uh, yeah, there's there's nothing on this show to go well. That was the storyline. But this match was 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 enjoyable, especially given some of the stuff we've had weeks before. They've been like quite quiet, like the sleeper hits as well. Yeah, I mean. I, the angle itself was good, but there just wasn't much else to this show to make it really worthwhile. So, um, uh, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm interested to see what the payoff is, but we'll um, we'll have to continue on with this angle. When we come back from commercial, Vince tells us that Beefcake's okay, which I thought was a bit premature, probably not really the best way to do a cliffhanger, and then tells us Money Inc. will be back next week and teases Hogan coming back. So I actually don't know if Hogan's on the next show, but I'm very interested to find out now. Seeing Hogan on Raw in that is, is the Hammerstein or is it whichever that place to base that then it's going to be really weird because like Hogan all you all I'm used to seeing him is in a bit like big arenas not like the, the like the Raw set yeah I'm um I'm, I'm really interested in this one so I I think I don't, I don't know whether I actually want him to show up because I want to see that or I want him not to show I'm back. 
back with us. Sorry, mate. What were you going to say? A little technical a little technical difficulty that I'll hopefully be able to fix in in editing. What were you saying? I think this uh, this show and spoiler warning, maybe the next one does the worst thing that doing these reviews is. It's not good. It's not crap. It's nothing. It, it, I'll I'll take rubbish. At least I can live with rubbish. But just like yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right on the money there. We get to some real points coming up where it's just, you know, the shows are just there for the sake of being there. So, you know, there are still some gems to come. So I, I you know, I don't really know the ratio of really good stuff to really, you know, meh stuff on these early shows. So I hope I'm proven wrong and there's a bit more meat on the bone than I think, but time will tell. We'll soon find out. For sure. Um, so that will do it for Raw. Um, time as always to take a little trip down memory lane. Peace God. Peace God. Now the shit is explained. I'm taking niggas on a trip straight through memory lane. It's like that jaw. It's like that jaw. It's like that. Have you got any merchandise that you wanted to talk about today? Now, I'm not a big merchandise person. So, unfortunately, as per normal, I have to say no. (laughs) Okay, that is perfectly fair enough. So, I think today I'm going to talk about the first time I ever ordered off ShopZone. Um, Just to really date it here, it was 2001, around about WrestleMania X7 time. Um, I was ordering from, believe it or not, we didn't yet, um, I think I'd moved out by now and I ordered from my mum's house who did not yet have a fixed internet connection. So we used one of those, I don't know if you remember this, discs that you could get on that had a set number of hours internet on it and you used that in your computer. Do you, do you remember those? Yeah. Yep. Used to be AOL. Yep. So we used where we were, yeah. Got one of those, probably for the sole purpose of doing this order. Um, got myself the, do you remember around about this time, the um, black and silver Triple H? So it, was, it was listed as a basketball jersey, but it kind of had weird, you know, half sleeves on it. Yeah, I know which one you mean. That and the Dead Man Inc. t-shirt. And I think for, oh, classic. I think for my brother, he might have got a um, Jericho Holic shirt just to, to round the order out. But that would have cost an absolute arm and a leg in 2001 to order to Australia. But it had to be done. <laughs> we, uh, I mean, I used to I remember looking and you, you'd, I think you used to have to use Euro Shop Zone when you were in uh, in Britain. And the, the selection was absolute garbage compared to the American shop. It was just, just like... I think they were probably still flogging shirts for wrestlers that left. It was the, the selection was rubbish. Maybe that's what put me off. That I is, got my Austin three sixteen t shirt, and that was it. Done. That is pretty average, isn't it? Um, I don't think there was at that time like an Australian version. There is now. Like when you log on, it, it basically knows what country you're in as as you go onto the website. But yeah, back then you had to just pay the exorbitant shipping fees and get stuff sent over. I think probably not too long after this, I ordered a bunch of DVDs when I would have got one of my first DVD players that could play region-free discs. 
and that was the, the second order I made. But yeah, that first one, I'll never forget getting that, um, waiting about a month and getting my Dead Man Inc. t-shirt and my Triple H jersey. What a mark I was. <laughs> and then never taking it off. <laughs> yeah. I was not the height of fashion coming out of high school, that's for sure. I uh, I think, well, 2001, yeah. Wrestling had uh, disappeared from from people who didn't watch wrestling. It just went back to us weirdos again. On that note, let's talk about WCW Saturday Night from 1993. It, it couldn't get weirder. <laughs> Once friends and teammates, now bitter enemies, the Dustin Rhodes-Barry Wyndham feud reaches a new intensity when Wyndham and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff team up against Dustin and a mystery partner. Stunning Steve Austin must defeat Marcus Alexander Bagwell in less than 10 minutes or lose to the same man who recently embarrassed his partner, Flying Brian Pillman. And awesome world champion Big Van Vader brings his pain game to WCW Saturday Night. Oh man, as always, our commentary team are JR and Larry Zabisco, and they um, tell us that they've got some info that Arn Anderson might be faking a broken leg from some of his battles with young Eric Watts, no doubt. The uh, the rookie of the year, I believe, Eric Watts. Hell of a rookie year he had. Well, I mean, in comparison to Techno Team 2000, it's uh, <laughs> the best rookie year anyone's ever had. And we've got Tony Schiavone with Mr. Wonderful and... Oh, God, who else is he with? Um... Can't read my own writing now. And it Barry. Barry Windham. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, they talk about Dustin's mystery partner. I, they, I mean, this is probably a commonplace for anyone that's actually listened to the show regularly over the years. Forgetting, not being able to read my notes is, a, is at least a once an episode thing. So it's probably no surprise by now. Same as me zoning out thinking about what I'm going to eat for my dinner. <laughs> so we go to our first match, which is Shane Douglas and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, our tag team champions, taking on the dream team of Joe Cruz and Fred Avery. All I've got in my notes is it's a whole world of nothing. Yeah, we've got armbars galore from the faces. Shane Douglas jumps over the ropes and hurts his knee, tags out to Steamboat, finishes them off on his own with a top rope crossbody. One, two, three. Quick squash. Um, it's pretty much this whole thing is designed to show that Shane Douglas has an injured knee, right? Yeah, and I don't care that Shane Douglas has got an injured knee. So uh... No, not one bit. Tony Schiavone's then with Dustin Rhodes and a mystery partner under a blanket smoking a cigar. I'm no expert, but that could be a fire hazard. I, I don't think it's going to end well for you because you're going to be breathing cigar smoke out underneath your sheet. <laughs> it's I mean, a... it, it, they obviously don't worry about wearing a face mask and CO2, which is the uh, face mask conspiracy. They'd be fine. Yeah, and... um can't wear a mask instead of a blanket because the body type would definitely give away who the mystery partner is here. Yeah, although he looks quite tall, so I don't know if they've got him in a box. <laughs> Wrestling logic would dictate that anything done from a box is going to be better. Yes, anything in a box or held inside a cake. We go to a um, commercial, and when we come back, we've got JR... And Gordon Soley talking through last week's angle with the Rock and Roll Express and the Heavenly Bodies and the Big Melee. Um, as always, I can't get excited for the Rock and Roll Express. I apologize for anyone older than me that love them, but it's just not for me. Same here. I, I, I can under, understand them in a retro kind of a way. But, uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen enough. Not been part of that time. I, <laughs> I can't think, take him. And I think I I've seen too much. <laughs> yeah, I, I just can't take them seriously as the, the alleged uh, sex sex icons. Nope. Um, we then go to Vader, uh, the WCW champion, taking on Rick Thomas. Um, and I just type here, poor guy, Vader is going to beat the shit out of you. Even if, because uh, there was a bit of a debate online not that long ago about whether Vader was, you know, somebody saying, look at Vader taking liberties. And then people from the time going, no, that's what a working punch is. And I think it was wrestlers arguing with each other. But either way, it, it still looks painful. Yeah. Um, thankfully it's quick because he nails him with a big punch and then a Vader bomb and a power bomb for the one, two, three. Um, but not so luckily he then gets face paint applied by Harley race and, you know, to make him look like sting. And then they whip him with a strap before the referees come out and help. And we hear here, we're eight days away from super brawl. So this is where I was going to ask you, are we going to review super brawl up against the Royal rumble? Ah, why not? Why, why, Why wouldn't you? Well, in that case, after this episode, we've got next week's shows, and then it's going to be a pay-per-view. Yeah, six hours worth of wrestling. Oh, that 93 rumble, though. There's some good stuff on there. <laughs> I, uh, I'm i luckily... I can probably work out who the winner is. I think I know who the winner is, but at least uh, most of the rumble will be a surprise. I've got to be honest, though. I do want to watch Sting and Vader. Well, I'm, I'm, I actually didn't think the White Castle of Fear segment was as bad as it's made out so i'm kind of looking forward to it there we go we have a date then yes so if only we could get some white castle in this country or i could eat that oh no it's terrible is it right yeah i went to america for a month and that was probably i was it was easily my wife and i agreed the worst meal we ate in the month we were over there interesting have you ever have you ever had like those um like ready-made microwave burgers from the shops where you heat them up for a minute and eat them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I believe you're describing a rustler. Yeah, it was basically that. Well, I'm not standing for that. No white <laughs> castle. Yeah, if you're going to go to America, I'd much, uh, I'd definitely recommend Wendy's for your fast food over White Castle. Noted. Welcome back, everyone, to WCW Saturday Night here with Stunning Steve Austin and Flying Brian Pillman, the number one contenders for the World Tag Team Championship. But I've got a feeling you're going to have your hands full with Marcus Alexander Bagwell momentarily. Well, I'm going to tell you something, Jim. I'm not even worried in the least bit about Marcus Alexander Bagwell. I just have a message to say to Steamboat and Douglas because very soon they know that we'll be, we'll, we'll be wearing the World Tag Team Championships. All right, well, Brian, I know that uh, especially you have had some big problems with Marcus Bagwell. He recently defeated you on Worldwide Wrestling. What's the situation here? There was no defeat loss, and it's a sad state of affairs to see a young athlete like Marcus Bagwell resort to those kind of tactics, attacking me from behind, trying to end my career. Well, you jump on me, you're jumping on Stunning Steve as well. We both can't wrestle him. So what we're gonna do here today, Bagwell, is teach you a lesson. I am guaranteeing you that you cannot last 10 minutes with Stunning Steve Austin. Stunning Steve will beat you in 10 minutes or less. All right, so we next go to um, a young Stunning Steve Austin taking on Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Very interesting to see both these guys with um, their pre 
star looks. Obviously, Austin becomes a much bigger star than Buff Bagwell, but um, people that are much better known for different personas going at it here. And Brian Pillman joins the commentary team, so yeah, a bit of a throwback all round. I this was the highlight of all of this wrestling for me. I agree. Uh, and I think part of it is how weird it is watching Austin and probably to a certain extent Bagwell wrestling like that as opposed to what you get used to in the future. Yeah, this is before Bagwell's like really too too muscled up and before Austin's hurt his neck and gone into brawling style. So it is very much wrestling. They start with chain wrestling and they exchange suplexes. Um, it, it's a bit of a slow start, but it is classic old school wrestling. We get a small package from Bagwell, a backdrop and a slam. Um, the storyline here, of course, is Austin's going to beat Bagwell in 10 minutes or less, or if not, Bagwell wins the match. And we get to the three-minute mark. It's still going. Austin hits a double underhook and a clothesline and then a gut wrench, but all these things just pick up two counts as time is running out. So Bagwell manages to survive the time, and therefore he's the winner by not getting beat. Yep, yeah, it was... Uh... It was good. It was a really good match. I didn't even mind the uh, the ending. Just thought it was uh, it was the only wrestling match I think we saw that was had two even competitors. Yeah, I quite liked this, mate. Um, you know, obviously it's a, a low bar on these two shows, but it was decent wrestling with two guys that are you know young up up and coming guys getting over with the crowd. So I liked it. I love watching Austin wrestle like pre-injury. And I guess even more pre-Stone Cold, because I think Stone Cold was still going towards a more brawling style to fit the character. But just watching Austin, just he really is a really good technician. I agree. I agree completely. We then go to Eric Bischoff with the Super Bowl Super Brawl 3 Event Center. Um, tell us that David Boy Smith's coming, so I'm looking forward to seeing the Bulldog. I, was a bit, I didn't realize that was the case, but I suppose we've... It's like post-steroid trial, isn't it, over on the other side? Yeah, he bounces around a bit. Um, you know, he finishes up with the, with the Fed, goes to WCW, comes back to the Fed. I think he might even leave again, but I'm not sure on that. Because he... Because uh, I remember, like, oh, 90, 93, 94, when I was at school, them talking about... People talking about... Because it, it would have been just after. I wasn't really into wrestling then, but... Like how WCW was this new thing because it was on like late night on ITV, so you could see it for free. And they're like, "Oh, David Boy Smith's a, a bulldog." And I was like, "What's going on?" And then forgot about it because I wasn't into wrestling at that point. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Seeing, I mean, I don't think he has a huge impact in WCW, but I've never seen any bulldog in WCW. Oh, well, sorry, I tell a lie, except for his disastrous '98 run. But we'll see. I don't think I've seen that yet. I think at least that means if Bulldog's going to be there, we've got the uh, the Baywatch promo. We've... Oh, yeah. Ooh. yeah. No spoilers. <laughs> we get a little rundown of the card as well. Benoit's going to take on Two Cold Scorpio. That should be a good match. The Hollywood Blondes are going to take on Marcus Alexander Bagwell and his superstar partner of Eric Watts. The Rock and Roll Express are going to take on the Wrecking Crew in a match I hope to skip. And Cactus Jack versus Mr. Wonderful. Dustin versus Ron Simmons, which should be good. Barry Windham versus The Great Muda and Vader versus Sting. So, a bit of a mixed bag, but some you know some good stuff there for us. On paper, that looks good. I think even uh, personal feelings aside, the Rock and Roll allegedly do have good matches. So, they should be able to drag something out of the Wrecking Crew. Oh, we'll wait and see. Um, 
Vader and Sting have promos to end this little segment. And then we go into Mr. Wonderful and Barry Windham taking on Dustin Rhodes and his mystery partner, who turns out to be Cactus Jack, and that gets a pretty good pop. It does, given... It's almost like uh, the crowd knew who it was, so they didn't swerve and pop, as opposed to taking the... uh, the, uh, yeah, the decent. Uh, a good four-man brawl to start, but we go to a commercial someone. earlier. Yeah, I think the they were expecting it. Um, Dustin, when wanted. we come back, is working over the arm. A couple of clotheslines before Barry Windham hits a back suplex. Mr. Wonderful comes in and hits a... Are you there? Can you still hear me? Yep. Oh, I can. Weird little sound. It sounded like we'd hung up on each other, but that's okay. Um, that was some weird shit. Yeah. We get some drop kicks and a clean house from Dustin and um, another four-man brawl before Dustin hits a bulldog. Mr. Wonderful makes a save and Cactus Jack, for some reason, goes and gets a shovel and whacks it with whacks them with it for the DQ finish. Oh, fucking eight. I, 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 I don't understand. I say it quite often on, on this. I don't... The logic of, I'm going to fight you fairly for 10 minutes and then I'm going to hit you with a shovel. Yeah, and especially when they're not being beat down. It's not like they're desperate. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was... I can see, like, it's now, so nobody has to lose, like, by being pinned. But just, like... Like, generally, anger starts quite high in these things. Then you, you calm down. So you would start off with a shovel. Really. Yeah. If, someone, if someone had pissed you off, you'd go shovel first. Yeah, a bit of a weird one, especially from the baby faces. Um from there, we go back to another commercial and come back. It's JR with the Wrecking Crew, who cut a pretty terrible promo. This one actually ranked a solid 5 out of 10 on the Hammerlock scale for me. Oh, God, it was fucking awful. Just shouty, blare, knobhead pro- promo. <laughs> and then we go to the Z-Man and Tommy Gunn taking on Ali Pasha and Bob Cook. Bob Cook, my new favorite jobber, my WCW... Um, Jobber. There's some really good ones in the WWF, but this guy I've latched on to in WCW now. Oh, I want to keep an eye out for him. I've got to be honest, it was about 25 past 11 when this match hit, and all I could think about was going to sleep. So, I mean, I think it could have been any of the top five best matches of the past 10 years, and I think I probably would have wanted to fast forward it. <laughs> well, not much happens. The baby faces win with a super kick and a Luthez Prez for the 1 2 3. Um, I like the way. For you know, thirty seconds, sixty seconds in these squash matches, the um the jobbers because I don't know whether it's the, the jobbers in WCW are much bigger or the wrestlers are much smaller, but they always let the jobbers get a couple of moves in in WCW before ultimately still ending it in two minutes. So, um, not bad, but yeah, it was a complete squash, nothing to write home about. We finished the show then with JR showing footage of the Hollywood Blondes taking out Shane Douglas's knee at the Omni in Atlanta. Um. But yeah, uh, really a nothing show again, like Raw. That I think you can tell probably by the time here we've breezed through these, and not a lot really happened. No, nothing. I, even uh, the Brutus thing—they're calling like say for Hulk. So it's like even that the storyline is already goes out of your head because you're thinking, "Oh, Hulk Hogan will be here next week," as opposed to like seeing how that storyline goes. And fucking Vince not being able to go seven days with people wondering has to tell everybody he's okay before they go off the air. Yeah. Yes. People, I don't think there'll be a, a huge volume of calls to the WWF's phone line asking how the beefer is. And even <laughs> if it is, they can make money out of it. Yeah, they're worried about lineups at the hospital like when Tupac was shot. Yeah, yeah. The uh, round the block to make sure that the beefer's okay. 
<laughs> oh man. Well, I guess probably the only thing left to do is actually see which of these two really nothing shows survived and, and won the round. So let's head on over and pick ourselves a winner, I guess. I'm going to be interested because I've got no idea. <laughs> um, for storyline advancement, I have to say I probably went with the WWF just because of the beefcake thing. Um, this is, a again, a low bar to beat. And WCW did have a little bit of storyline, but um, the beefcake um, money ink. Like, if you, if you watch these two shows back and you had to in a month's time go, hey, do you remember when you did those two shows? That's the only thing you'd remember, right? It beats Cactus Jack under a, a sheet hands down i think i think also even things like yokozona and the uh battle royale although not just a bit squash and a bit of nothing they do forward the storyline of gonzalez and you know yoko being unstoppable so I, th- I think overall it moves moves things on a little bit yeah definitely um i probably went the other way with crowd heat and i think you know the wcw tv crowd seems to be you know, normally quite into it. It was a very close one, but I probably just went with WCW for, for the crowd this week. Who did you go with? No, I, I, I think the WCW tends to be a rowdier crowd. Uh, I, I wasn't sure whether the Raw was taped or live. I didn't know if they were mucking about with the microphone or whether it was actually microphone disruption. So I just wondered if it was the second of a taping or something. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Um, you definitely can't tell, normally because it's quite slick in the production, and as always, no different here. I went with the WWF4 production value. Um, did you see any hiccups with them that I might have missed or see anything special from WCW that would give them the win? WCW can never, on a standard sort of like Raw versus uh, Saturday Night, WCW can never win on presentation just because they're just not that slick and they don't spend that amount of money they can't they can't win i feel like yeah something has to go wrong either the feed the audio the video or a horrendous post-production thing for wwf to lose really doesn't it yeah the wwf standard is just so much so much better even on a bad day they're better than wcw on their their normal i did however go with wcw for characters on the show because i felt we got vader um, Austin, Bagwell, we got Mr. Wonderful, Barry Windham, Dustin Rhodes, Cactus, Ricky Steamboat. You know, WWF did have the Battle Royal, but you could see the fact that it only went to 16 men, not your standard 20, and Kimchi was in that. That just really pointed out how thin the roster was, and no Bret Hart or Undertaker didn't help either. Uh, again, I mean, uh, without parroting, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're the same thing you've said. The, the Battle Royale very quickly dropped off quality to so you've got skinner in there and like you say kimchi and kamala who uh you know let's face it kamala probably at that point is is past his prime uh then you've got a few jobber matches and and no real mega stars on there really not at all um which brings it down to the tough one um you said that earlier before Austin and Bagwell was the best match on either show. Was that enough to win WCW the match quality or overall did the WWF win for you? Although, again, we're, uh, we're grading on quite a low curve here. I'm going to give it WCW for the Austin match. I didn't... I, there are better battle royales out there and I didn't think this was a particularly good one. And I think part of the reason was is everyone who was in it knew that it was just a setup for Gonzalez to come out. So why 
There was nothing to do if you were put in that uh, battle royale. You couldn't do anything really to elevate yourself, which is the whole point, and make more money. Uh, and the other, everything else was a job match. Then it wasn't a match between DBS and uh, Beefcake. It was an angle. I actually agree, and so therefore we've agreed on every category, which doesn't happen all that often, and WCW squeaked out a narrow victory, so stunning Stephen Bag and Marcus Alexander Bagwell seem to be the difference maker this week. I think I think at this point WCW can always win, because it will, will because generally there's a good wrestling match on there. It might not be somebody you want to watch or think about beforehand, but they usually have something that that's just a bit of wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they they generally do give you a good match every week, or at least I think the the squash matches in WCW sometimes tend to be a little bit better as well. Nothing brilliant, but just a little bit better quality overall. I think it's just the fact that they have that more wrestling-based presentation. Vince would happily throw a show on and not give a shit if any of the matches are good or not, but WCW, there is that little tiny bit more pride in their work, even though there's some absurd shit going on in the background, so... Overall, for me, yeah, WCW just squeaks it out in a pretty forgetful pair of shows. Yeah, these these are not to be recommended. They're just they're filler. You know, if you if you like me and sometimes have the network on in the background while you're working, you know, it's, it's not going to distract you from your work. But that's not a good uh, review if you want to sit down and watch it. Is it? <laughs> it won't distract you from what you're doing. Yeah, can can work all day, not miss a beat watching this show, five stars. <laughs> Did most work ever for watching this show. It's a great advert for productivity putting this on. So, you know, something to be said for that, I guess. What, what, what does surprise me is the lack of star power on Raw, actually, given that it was their, you know, it's, it's supposed to be their their flagship. Their, you know, it's their, their show now that's sort of like, you know, Raw. This is all that's happened on Raw, and I don't think we've seen... Have we seen Undertaker on there yet? Yeah, the, against, the first Damien one. Demento, yep. But, yeah. like, the, there's very little star name on it, really. Yeah, we've, we've not really had much. Um, that, that might change next week, though. I'm, I, I do like... Because I, I do know a lot of the big angles from Raw early days. I'm very interested to see whether Hogan appears for the next episode. So, everybody make sure to come and check it out, and find out with us is hulk hogan going to appear on monday night raw for the first time ever and yeah we'll find out next week and the go home show for the super brawl pay-per-view as well so fingers crossed the next pair are going to be a lot more interesting because we've got some business to pick up but time will tell it can't be any worse (laughs) well she can but i'm keep telling myself that well, that will do it for today's episode. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Richie, once again, for joining me for some uh, early 90s nostalgia. Uh, you can't beat it, can you? Cannot. And everybody, kick back. Don't watch these two shows. Wait and see if the next ones are better. What, what a review. <laughs> Cheers, guys. <laughs> Talk to you next time. Toodaloo, motherfuckers. <laughs> the end is here. The game is over No more pretending